This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans. Welcome in to another edition of Horsepower Happenings on a beautiful Monday in May, almost the final one of the year. As a matter of fact, the next time we talk, it will be the final Monday in May. Race season is vastly underway, but uh, we got a whole lot to talk about. A couple of great interviews lined up tonight, trackside interviews. It's all coming up, but first, let's take a look at what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Chase Elliott, another winner at the road course in NASCAR. This time it came at the Circuit of Americas in what was a rain-shortened race on Sunday afternoon. Conditions, not great. As a matter of fact, NASCAR's veteran Cup Series driver Kevin Harvick not thrilled about racing in heavy rain. Too much spray and not enough visibility. NASCAR's still going to have to work about racing in the rain and I don't know if it's going to work or not. 1995 World of Outlaws champion Dave Blaney shocked the world Saturday night at Sharon Speedway, beating Sheldon Hodgenschild with a last lap pass to collect the World of Outlaws win. The trip to victory lane was his 95th career and came with chance of Blaney, Blaney, Blaney as he climbed from his car down in victory lane. Formula One has a new points leader. And he goes by Max Verstappen. The team Red Bull driver overtook Lewis Hamilton in the standings by virtue of his win in the uh, Monaco Grand Prix over the weekend. Hamilton brought his Mercedes home seventh. Scott Dixon will lead the field to the green flag Sunday for the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500. Dixon won his fourth Indy 500 pole with a four-lap average of 231.685 miles per hour. You talk about a close field. Second spot had a time of 231 point XYZ miles per hour as well. So tight field for this year's Indy 500. And finally, an open wheel. Zemwise collected 200, or I should say $26,000 with a win Sunday night during the third annual race Rudine Foundation race at Kokomo Speedway. Wise passed up his high school graduation to attend the event with the All-Star Circuit of Champions. Those things and so much more happening tonight. Good evening. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from beautiful downtown Flat Rock. Rich, how are you doing on this fine Monday evening? Uh, I had a great weekend, Zach. Uh, Enjoying myself tonight, relaxing after a couple days uh, at the racetrack and even got some golfing in this weekend. So uh, everything's good in my world. Man, I I hear about that. And and man, I'm glad to hear it as well. And you know what? Let's start off. Uh, This could be a lot worse of a news story, but still concerning nonetheless. Um, some, Some big news, I guess, coming from Berlin over the weekend. Yeah, Zach, did you see the the video of this wreck uh, on social media or online? Yeah, so we're talking about super late models at Berlin Raceway. Boris Yorkovic uh, gets spun around, 
entering turn one of Berlin, the big, fast uh, racetrack. What is it, like a 7-16th mile or something like that, or 5 yeah, or something? just shy of a half. Just yeah. shy of a half, yeah. So at any rate, gets turned around going into one, and Rich sits there for what feels like an eternity as a race former race car driver and a race fan, and then all chaos breaks loose after that. Yeah, you know, the, the initial wreck looked like four or five cars were involved, uh, kind of stacked up, and Boris ended up in, in really a bad spot, driver's side uh, towards the oncoming cars uh, and right in the middle of the racetrack. And out of nowhere uh, comes David Fretz and just it, I couldn't tell, but it looked like he hit him pretty close to full, full throttle. And um, it was a scary wreck. Uh, both drivers had to be cut out of their cars. Um, and what we know as of yesterday, late yesterday, uh, Boris Yurkovic remains hospitalized after st- sustaining uh, leg fractures in both legs. And David Fretz underwent surgery for his injuries. The details of those injuries have not been disclosed. Yeah, and it's never good when you send drivers to the hospital and they don't automatically get sent home. So uh, obviously we're thinking of Boris and we're thinking of uh, Gary as well as they work through um, the, these, uh, this situation and rich, I kind of want your opinion. What do you think happened as a former racer and as a race anal- analyst? It just seemed like Boris had been sitting there a very long time for, for this incident to still happen the way it did. Yeah. My calculations about five and a half seconds sitting there. And every time I've been to Berlin that, you know, they've had, they've had spotters up there at the top of the grandstands. So that's even uh, more concerning to me, mm-hmm. um, because, that should have been a red flag that the spotter, hey, they're cracked. I guess it was coming out of turn two or in turn two. And um, I don't know. It. I, I guess if he'd have slowed down, it looked like there was a place to go. But you're, we're only seeing the end of it. Yeah. We're not seeing the rest of it. So it's it's really hard to comment or where the, where the blame lies, if there is any blame. But uh, all I know is um, two drivers are very lucky. Um that they aren't more seriously injured than what they were because when I saw that crash, it was really scary, Zach. Yeah, and this is one of those situations where you don't want to throw the blame around. You don't want to use the word blame, but something happened there that shouldn't have, and this is an area for us to learn. Uh, We preach about safety in this sport a lot, so what can be done different to make sure this doesn't happen again? Was there a problem? Uh, I'm sorry, with David Fritz. I said Gary earlier. David Fritz, was there a problem with his car? that led to him still going into this crash at the speed he did was there oil on the racetrack was there something that led to this wreck being as bad as it was and that's just what we're looking at here is what can be learned so uh but rich again just uh thinking of the drivers and and hoping that they come out a-okay yeah that's the most important thing right now we may hear something from berlin raceway um later in the week or down the road once we you know we make sure these guys are okay and that is the most important thing everything else can take a back seat for now um but obviously something um, didn't go as it should have, and and you know what we'll have to figure out what that is. But yeah, prayers for David Fretz and, and Boris Yurkovic. Um, you know, sounds like they could be out a while, but uh, you know, hopefully hopefully they're all right. All right, let's go into some racing action uh, that, uh, and let's talk about some results tonight. Ryan Lanfield and Andrew Terrell brought out the Soaring Eagle Casino. Dirt Car UMP late models for a 30-lamp A main Saturday night at Merritt Speedway. Lamford jumped out in front with the lead in the early stages, trying to pull away from the rest of the field. And how about friend of the program Joey Birch storming by to take over the lead just five laps in 
and that didn't change until lap 12 when the two-time and defending track champion David Melke was able to grab the lead and go on from there to get the win. It was the first win of the year for the 29-year-old from Gladwin, Michigan in his number 87 machine. How about this? Six-time track champion Eric Spangler finished second with a tore-up race car, by the way. He got into a tractor tire about mid-race and held on for a second-place finish. Mike Vandermark Jr., Birch, and Lanfear rounded out the top five, and congratulations to Terrell and Birch, who won heat races. And Mike Vandermark Jr. set the overall fast time Saturday night with a 14.175. I know Saturday was a big night for you, Rich, as Toledo Speedway geared up for circle track racing for the second week in a row, and, and not just any circle track racing. Yeah, exactly. And we opened up, Zach, and it was um, the best crowd I've seen since since Toledo opened up. It was a raucous, to say the least, fired up, ready to go <laughs> uh, for a pavement race. Uh, and it was very exciting. But uh, Toledo Speedway played host uh, Saturday night to the Hearst Potato Chips 200 for the Arkham Menard Series. And it was set up, Zach, as a battle between the t series two rising stars. Corey Heim was uh, the current point leader heading into the event uh, with himself and Ty Gibbs, each picking up two wins after the first four events. Uh, Heim put his name on the map a little over a year ago, if you remember, uh, when we had him on the program after he picked up a huge win at CRA Speed Fest 2020 at Chris Motorsports Park, which was, if you remember, Zach, a very stacked field of super late models uh, down in Georgia. And, uh, and Zach, I got, I got to sit down with Corey for a little bit and uh, kind of get an idea about how this past year has been for him and, uh, and kind of how he's been feeling and what he's got going. Caught up with a gentleman who is no stranger to horsepower happenings. We had him on a little over a year ago after he picked up a big win at CRA Speed Fest 2020. Uh, makes his home in Marietta, Georgia. Corey Heim, uh, thanks for joining us on Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Nice catching up with you again. Um, let's go back a little over a year because uh, you've had so much going on in about the, about the last 16, 18 months. Um, huge win down there at Watermelon Capital Speedway for you, um, especially with that event all the guys that showed up to that event i mean it was power from top to bottom and uh you had an outstanding unbelievable finish at the end um talk about your memories of that race because i know at the time it was real important to you yeah it really was and um you know at the time it was really big for me and i think that kind of fueled my entire 2020 and kind of got me rolling with the momentum i needed to go and get a couple more wins along uh, throughout the year but um i remember it really clear it was a really good race and you know like you said it was stacked from top to bottom with talent and um you know it came out on top it was a great race for the finish and i think it, it taught me a lot too we talked a little earlier about then we go through the summer not a whole lot of racing was done anywhere last summer you know it was kind of go where you can um you know we kind of run into you at at nashville fairground speedway uh for the all-american 400 another stacked field and uh you know like we said it kind of looked like Derek it was Derek thorne and carson hotovar that we're gonna kind of decide who was gonna win that race and uh before you know it you're out there leading that one yeah, that was a, uh, I remember that race really clear too. And that was my, I think my second time ever in Nashville. And, um, you know, I wasn't very happy in practice, wasn't very happy in qualifying. And then the race kind of came around and, you know, we got a long run. And next thing you know, we're, we're from 33rd, I think in the top five. And then, you know, as you mentioned, that incident happened with Josevar uh, and Thorne. And uh, Thorne was a dominant car all day. But after that happened, I feel like I was right in the mix. And uh, we took the lead, kind of were out set for the win, I feel like. And then we had a, uh, an issue with the motor. So, um, you know, each, each one of those, uh, you know, unfortunate happenings and events kind of teach me how to, 
you know, hold my head up and try to go to the next one. I feel like this year we're off to a really good start as well. Now we get to this year. Um, something pretty cool that I thought, and I got to bring up, about a week and a half ago, Speed 51 came out uh, with their best short track driver, young short track drivers, number two on the list. And there is a list of drivers below you that you run into all the time on the super late model circuit. Nassi, Doss, uh, Garcia, um, Craig. How'd that make you feel when that came out? It, does that give you a little bit of confidence or you just say, oh, it's just the media talking, uh, we'll let it go? No, I mean, regardless of what it is, I think anything, um, you know, that makes me, I guess, feel a little bit better about myself here and there is nice. And, um, you know, there's a bunch of different variables that go into it. And I think my, my recent ARCA uh, success has helped out a lot. But, you know, we've had some success in the short tracks and the late models as well. And, you know, as you mentioned, I run into those guys all the time. So, um you know, it doesn't uh, it doesn't exactly pay money to be listed that high, but it definitely does give me a little bit of confidence. Does it seem like more and more, not over the last you know 16, 18 months, it almost seems more and more like that speed fest win has really propelled you into a lot of things in the last year or so um, that you probably didn't have going if you wouldn't have won that race. Yeah, I think so too. You know, as I mentioned at the start of the interview, like I think um, that race really gave me the momentum. And of course, we had COVID in between there, but I think like two or three races later in, in May, we had a, uh, another win and then we had another win in July. Then we got that win in Kansas. Like it really kind of got things rolling for me. And, you know, 2019, I don't think I got a single win throughout the year. So um, that really got things kick started. And then we got the other win in, you know, 2021 again at Cordell. And I think that also got my year rolling once again. Now we get to 2021 and you got a. Well, a ride that a lot of guys would want to have in the Arkham Menard series with Venturini Motorsports, the Craftsman number 20. Um, you start out here, and, and I don't think you'd, really you could have started out any better. Um, you're the points leader coming into Toledo the, this evening and two wins out of four races. Uh, you got to pinch yourself sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. It's definitely pretty surreal to be able to, you know, pick up the two wins we have this year out of the four races. And, um, you know, we've had such a great start to the year, but, uh, you know, you can't really look past that too far. You know, we have, I think, 16 races left in the series, and there's a long way to go, and there's a lot of good races to be had. So, um, you know, trying to do everything I can to win this weekend at Toledo and um, beyond. A little bit different for you at a racetrack you've only been to once. Um is practice today going to be very key for you guys? Because I can probably tell you this track this afternoon, this early in the year with it being almost 90 degrees out, is not going to be the same as, as the track you last saw here. Yeah, I think we just got to keep that in mind. You know, as you mentioned, it's going to be a lot different at the nighttime tonight. And we'll probably be sliding around a lot in the daytime. And it's going to be, you know, slick, lack of grip. Um, whereas when the sun goes down, there's going to be a lot of grip and it's going to be a lot faster as well. So, um, you know, my team can prepare for that with that in the back of their minds. And I think we're going to set our car upgrade tonight. What's your confidence level going in, knowing that you have to deal with that kind of stuff and you have a little bit of an unknown until you get out there and turn some laps in the car? Uh, we're sitting back here in the shade. What's your confidence level as we're talking? Yeah, I'm pretty confident. You know, it's hard not to be with this 20 team and, you know, with Venerdy Motorsports and Toyota, Crafts from JBL, like everyone who makes it happen. There's a lot of a lot of dividends that make our, our cars go around fast, and I think tonight's going to be no different. Corey, I want to thank you for giving us some time. You came up to our neck of the woods. We had to come down to Georgia to see you last time. Uh, you come up to the Great Lakes region. Uh, congratulations tonight. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's good being here. And Zach, uh, unfortunately for Corey, it was another dominating performance uh, for Ty Gibbs. Although this time he had to work a little harder for it. Uh, Gibbs took off from his pole starting position uh, and set sail uh, as Heim gave chase. Gibbs took the yellow flag at lap 76 for the first of two competition cautions uh, on the restart. Gibbs again took off as Heim stayed within striking distance, 
but still couldn't work his way around the, the 18-year-old youngster. Uh, on the way to the final competition break at lap 125, the final 75-lap segment uh, was what the fans came to see. Heim applied the pressure on the restart, shadowed Gibbs for several laps, and nudged, I say moved him pretty good, um, moved uh, Gibbs heading into turn number one, allowing Corey to take the race lead and set sail. Uh, Jesse Love also got by the number 18 of Gibbs to take the second spot with Ty dropping to third. Uh, the grandson of Joe Gibbs then showed his patience as he worked around Love for second and then chased down Heim with 25 to go. On lap 179, Gibbs nosed underneath Heim out of turn number two, stayed door-to-door -door down the back chute, and then coming out of turn four, he would take the lead and drive away for the win. And Zach, fans, lo fans loved it. What a wild crowd, like I said, we had at Toledo. And I was able to catch up with Ty in victory lane. Ty Gibbs, let's, let's, let's take this in sections. Uh, first part of the race, uh, pretty much out there by yourself. Looked like the car, uh, you liked where it was at. Yeah, you know, I felt like we were uh, really good in the first couple stages of our race. I felt like our car was good where it was at, and I feel like we'd left it. We didn't really make too many adjustments. Um, as the nights went on, I feel like the track didn't change as much as I thought it was. Um, but that's something I noted for hopefully the next time I come back here, if not, um, for Smith to come back here and run it. So uh, we'll see, um, you know, what happens. On the restart after the second competition caution, obviously the contact down in turn one and two. Um, Corey gets the lead, kind of gets away. You just kind of gather yourself up and go to track them down. Yeah, you know, I just gathered myself up and, and waited and drove, drove back down and caught them. Um, you know, it was their only shots to see clean air the whole night, so they took it. And I sort of felt like, I mean, it was a little bit aggressive, but you know, that's what I would have done. Um, I ran them a little hard there, but, you know, we, I could have stuck them in the fence after I got back to them, but I didn't touch them past them. Kindly, so. yeah. But, I mean, when you both do it, this is short track racing. It's a, it's a bull ring, a half mile. It's not that big a deal. You expect that when you come here. No, I like the aggressive moments. You know, it's fun, and I like to show dominance out there. Congratulations, Ty. Excellent run. And then, uh, Zach, uh, Heim brought his number 20 Venturini Motorsports Toyota home second, and I caught back up with Corey to de debrief his event afterwards. Well, Corey, we talked this afternoon, and we knew this was the, only the second time you ran here at the Toledo Speedway, and you said you were pretty confident. Uh, spent the first half of the race just chasing around that 18 machine. Talk about that. Yeah, it was a uh, up-and-down night, I guess. I mean, we never really had any major downs, but um, obviously rode in second for pretty much the whole night except for a couple, maybe 30 laps or so there. So, um, you know, I think we made a couple gains, you know, from uh, from Phoenix and from Kansas. We were a little bit farther off than we are tonight, so I think we're, we're, we're heading in the right direction tonight. On the restart after the last competition caution, um, no secret, trade a little paint. Uh, that's what you do in short track racing. Uh, you got out to a pretty big lead, but... Uh, it looked like maybe the car just, you know, you ran so hard to get out there, it kind of went away, and, and Ty was able to track you down. Yeah, we kind of had the same issue in the uh, first long run we got there. Kind of the right front just went away at the end of the run. Um, I mean, maybe that's just me driving really hard, and maybe we burn off the tires a little bit, but I feel like I was, you know, saving a little bit. So um, that's just something to consider. I think we might have been over-cambered a little bit tonight, but um, a lot of it falls on me. I need to get better as a race car driver, and we're going to come back and be really good. Toledo Speedway is such a fast racetrack, and it's really easy to get off your marks because you have to hit your marks here to stay fast. Did you, When you're out there by yourself, did you have a problem doing that? 
Not really, but, you know, it's funny you say that because, I mean, this is one of those races where, like, you really, really had to hit your marks. Like, in one and two, uh, especially, like, if you did not get down the yellow line, I mean, it was out to launch pretty much. So, um, you know, a lot of people ask me that question depending on where you go. And it's like, oh, like, okay, like, you can mess up and, you know, uh, you can get it back a little bit in some places. But here it's, like, night or day. So um, I struggled a little bit at times just after I burnt off the right front tire. Um, but for the most part, I, as long as I was in a good groove, I, I was doing a pretty good job, I thought. Not bad. Runner-up finish. Uh you got a smile on your face yeah we you know like i said we're heading in the right direction that's all that really matters um didn't have a bad night we're heading in the right direction there's some positives to take away you know obviously we want to win but um we're, we're going the right direction what about all these fans the first time they've had this many fans here at toledo speedway and man they showed you guys from love all day long yeah they had the the, the uh, stands pretty much packed tonight which was awesome to see and these guys up north and um you know everyone everyone else that traveled to the race to put on a good um support show tonight so um i hope we Hope you put on a good race for him. I think me and Ty, you know, changed some paint, spiced it up a little bit. I know we're, we're kind of spread out there for the most part, but um, I'm really glad to see the fans back. Corey, you did an excellent job. Congratulations. Second place finish. Thank you. I appreciate that. And Zach, uh, Jesse Love would hold on and bring home third. Nick Sanchez fourth and Thad Moffitt uh, would come home fifth. Gracie Trotter, Cole Williams. We'll get back to that in a second, Zach. Brad Smith, Dick Doheny, and Tosi, Tony Constantino would complete the top ten. So Cole Williams, Zach, you know where you've heard of Cole Williams. Oh, uh, yeah. Down yeah. at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Gets the call on Saturday morning. You want to drive this car? And uh, so the Mark Rett car, uh, Terry Jones' own car from Canada, um, came up. And uh, Cole Williams jumped in the seat, arrived real late, uh, got there so quickly, forgot to pay his way when he got in the back gate. No. They had the black, they had the black flag him on the racetrack and say, you mind go checking in and filling out your paperwork? Are you serious? Dead serious. No kidding. That's wow. Down. That is, uh, that's a great story. Man. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cole Williams, uh, former champion at Nashville Fairground Speedway, in the hunt right now this year. And uh, that's awesome. Cole's a great guy, so I'm glad he got a chance to uh, get behind the wheel this weekend. What else is going on? Although it wasn't an all-star performance late model challenge series event, it was still a big payday to whoever won the 30-lap Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort late model feature Friday night at Tri-City. It was an all-front-row race as pole sitter Alex Hubert uh, paced the field for the first nine laps. And then 2020 Challenge Series champion Travis Stemler used the top groove to advance uh, to his advantage, rather, to overtake Hubert on lap 10, and he led the rest of the way. He had some light challenges from Chad Finley throughout the race, but he conquered the rest of that event. Finley brought it home second, Hubert third, David Hilker and Ryan Lamphere round out the top five. And Zach, Phil Bozell is now a back-to-back -back winner in the Northside Towing and Service Big 8 Super Late Model Series presented by Auto Value at Corrigan Oil Speedway. Uh, Bozell, who started on the outside pole, took the lead at the drop of the green flag and led all 50 laps to score the win. Uh, Bozell was challenged only once when Justin Clardy made a run at the, uh, the front late in the race, but uh, he was no match for Bozell, who went on to win. Clardy finished second with uh, Andy Bozell third, while Dan Leak and Jason Felver would complete the top five. How about Tri-City? Let's go back there now, talking about the winged warriors of the Great Lakes Super Sprints and Ryan Rule. You missed a show Friday if you weren't at Tri-City. He was perfect this weekend behind the wheel of his Smith Motorsports number 71H machine, and it all started Friday night in uh, Auburn, Michigan. After setting the overall fast time during qualifying, the Coldwater Michigan native led every lap of his heat race 
and then with some help from his wife, Courtney, redrew the number one pill to start on the pole of the feature. And let me tell you, Rich, when I say that the entire command center groaned when Courtney pulled the number one pill, I mean, even the lightning sprint drivers went, oh, man, because Ryan started on the pin. Now, early in the race, it seemed as though Ryan was on his way to a convincing and easy win. But then things got interesting. With fresh clay on the surface of Tri-City, drivers struggled to find a consistent groove around the track anywhere other than on the bottom. That included Ryan Rule. His game plan was from the start was to work the inside tires, stay smooth, and hope to hold off all comers. His plan worked for the first 13 laps until slower traffic became a factor. The entire time that Rule was on the bottom, fourth place starting Brad Lamberson was working to clean off the top of the track. When Rule got held up in traffic, Lamberson capitalized, taking the top spot. As Rule struggled to get through that traffic, it seemed as the Lamberson now was on his way to his first career GLSS win. That all came upended when suddenly slower traffic had a sizable gap, and Rule methodically had worked his way through all of that, uh, all of the back markers alongside Lamberson leaving the two drivers to their very own race. With three laps to go, Lamberson caught Phil Gressman going into turn three. Gressman had also been working a higher line throughout the race and was not done trying to work the middle. When Lamberson caught Gressman, he tried to go around him on the outside and lost all momentum, allowing Rule to sneak underneath both drivers coming to two to go. Despite his best efforts that included going to the bottom of the track, Lamberson could not reel in Rule, who cruised to the win. Now, the Triumph is Rule's second win of the season, going back to the GLSS opener at I-96 Speedway. I should say second GLSS win of the season. And uh, Lamberson, he held on for second. Max Stambaugh completed the podium. And you want to talk about Lamberson, I had a chance to catch up with him following his runner-up performance. This is one of those interviews where I don't know if you're going to be excited or disappointed. So let's just start with that. Second place, how are you feeling? It feels like a win. Okay. <laughs> so I'm I'm pretty darn excited. You led, uh, I mean, probably half the race. Uh, you know, Ryan started early. You led the middle part. Really, you were the first guy in the race that went to the top side. Was that something you were planning on doing, or did you just know you needed to be somewhere other than where Ryan was? Yeah, I kind of knew that everybody was going to try to itch their way to the bottom, so I had to find whatever's going to work in the middle. I found right away, so I stuck with it. and found the lead once Ryan caught lap traffic and then I caught some lap traffic and he snuck right, right back by me. Yeah. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Ryan. You guys worked through lap traffic. It was an advantage for you when there was traffic because they were mostly on the bottom. Right at five to go, the gates opened and it was mano y mano. Did you think you could hold him off? I really thought I had a good lead on him and then I got slowed up a little bit so I was worried and then he went blowing by me so I tried following him and I wasn't quite as good on the bottom as I was through the middle so I was trying to work my way back up there but there was another lapper that was right in the way so I just kind of held my own and I'm pumped to get second. I believe this is a career best for you for the GLSS, is that correct? I believe I finished second one other time, maybe okay. two other times, Okay, but I've had a lot of bad luck. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's for sure, and unfortunately that's the things that people remember, so let's change that. Who is it that made this podium finish possible for you? I really got to thank Melling Performance and Classic Metal Finishing. They're the ones that make it all happen. I wouldn't be where I am today without them. Uh, yeah, I can't say too much more about them. 
All right, that's Brad Lamerson, second place here tonight at Tri-City. And I tell you, that kid was pumped up to finish second uh, to Ryan Rule. He was jacked up. That 27 car, as he mentioned, has a lot of bad luck with the Great Lakes Super Sprints, and uh, he's looking pretty competitive, and, and they told me afterwards they believed that they had a win taken away from them by lap traffic and a tractor tire at I-96 earlier this year, so maybe we need to keep our eyes on the milling performance number 27. As for the guy who went to victory lane, well... He actually signed it, sounded uh, kind of surprised to be there. I caught up with uh, Ryan right after he was done with Victory Lane celebrations. You haven't even got your first alcoholic beverage down here in Victory Lane yet, so I know that that's going to be uh, a contributing factor to this interview. We're still in Victory Lane. You get it done in dramatic fashion here at Tri-City. Just give me your overall thoughts first. Well... I, I hate to say it for the fans, but I was hoping it'd just be a snooze fest and I could <laughs> check out and just win and uh, get back to the cooler. But yeah, Brad really came through there and he had a super impressive run and his car was, man, really working. So I was thinking I'd just hold on and stay behind Brad and then traffic sort of shifted and got in his line and yeah, it panned out for me. Brad was the first car in the entire field to go to the top. Had you considered that at all or was your plan bottom the whole way? Um, I had just planned on running the bottom the whole time and then I figured lap cars would be there so I just told myself worry about that when it happens and then when it did happen I couldn't move around that good and so once I saw Brad was kind of being able to go higher I, I knew he had an advantage. The outside line was dirty, uh, so disadvantage Brad there. Bottom line, as you said, clogged with traffic. You guys got a break there in traffic with about five to go. Did you think you could run him down in that time? Um, I, I don't want to be a naysayer, but no, I thought I thought Brad had it in the bag. So I slid my wing about as far back as I could, and I was trying to be gracious with the brakes, but I knew laps were winding down, so I was really running it in hard, and then stepping on the brake pedal and hoping I didn't fry him before the end of the race and it kind of helped us maintain with him but I don't think uh, it would have worked out without lap traffic. A couple of weeks ago you picked up a new sponsor your team's been I mean just absolutely thrashing on these race cars uh, who, who is it that makes it possible for you to get these wins? Um, it's Steve and Ty and Zach they man they work countless hours in the shop and yeah they have the the backing with TC and Lock and Bar and Jim Coffee and Son and kind of lets them play I, I should say but yeah the, those guys do all the work I like I've said before I just show up and they let me drive the thing Ryan Rollman, congratulations on a nice win at Tri-City <sighs> thanks Zach Man, and he wasn't done either. This is the cool part, I think, about the Smith Motorsports team is they went home, unloaded the 360, put the 410 in the box, and they unloaded at Butler Motor Speedway for the sprints on dirt events Saturday night, and he picked up right where he left off. Rule was fifth quick during qualifying before going on to finish second in his heat race, and then he put uh, that put him in the fast car dash where he won, which put him on the pin for the feature, and uh, Rule survived a caution-filled event to collect his second $2,000 paycheck of the weekend. Well, now it's our pleasure to bring in the guy who uh, got off the big broom over the weekend and swept sprint car racing in our area, Coldwater, Michigan, driver of the 71H Smith Motorsports Century, Ryan Rule. My man, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Ryan, what an impressive weekend that you had. Uh, you know, and it all started Friday, as we said, at, at Tri-City. And we played your trackside interview while we were still down in Victory Lane, Ryan, and you just were brutally honest and you said, I did not think I was going to get a chance to win this race. You've had some days to process this now and looking back at it, do you still feel that way? Do you still feel like you kind of fell into one on Friday? 
Mm, yeah, yeah, I would still say so. Um, I mean, I, I feel like we were in a pretty decent spot and, you know, you kind of have to be in the position, you know, if anything happens with, you know, anybody in the top three or five or so uh, to kind of capitalize on anything like that. So I feel like we, you know, kind of did our job and we're sort of there at the end. We talked about this when I was reading this story. It was hilarious to be standing at the GLSS command center when your wife went up there and pulled that number one pill. The entire trailer, I think even GLSS officials groaned that you were starting on the pole. Um, how important was that for you, though, to be able to to start on the pole and kind of set the tone of the race early? I think it definitely helped, but sometimes it's, it's tough to be leading because you don't really know if you should be searching around to find a better line or if you're you know in second or third you can trail somebody and see if there's a a better line you don't have to just kind of wait for somebody to blow past you but i think ryan really you probably set the tone in qualifying and then getting that number one pill i mean you showed that you were you were very fast uh but you did have to have a little bit of flexibility to change up your line throughout that event you couldn't uh you, you wanted to be on the bottom, but you couldn't stay there. Right, right. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it's always kind of hard to tell what what lanes are going to develop or where the lap cars are going to be committed, but I don't know. I just I didn't know what to expect with the new surface at Tri-City, um, and I've kind of had the top bite me over there before, so the last few years I've sort of just, stuck to uh, plan on running the bottom the whole time. And I, I feel like we've been really close to winning. I mean, the last handful of times we've been there, just kind of weird stuff happened. And I, we got second a few times and spun racing to the lead once. And I don't know, I just feel like we uh, we have a pretty good thing going. You know, when I think about races that you've won, Ryan, and, and some of the events that you've run, I don't automatically think about racetracks like Tri-City where it's very – um, very methodical and, and is a hard racetrack to get a hold of. But obviously you've got it done. you got it done at Tri-City. And, and really on Saturday too, Butler was a little bit dry slick as well. Do you believe that you struggle on these dry slick tracks or is it something you're growing accustomed to? Do you prefer hammer down racetracks? Well, take me through that thought process for you as a driver. Mm, if you would have asked me five years ago, probably I would have said, I'd, yeah, I would. I hope it rained the night before and it's used <laughs> up and uh, full throttle, but yeah, maybe the, uh, the old age is catching up to me and I can kind of appreciate like a, a wide, smooth, slick racetrack. And I, I feel like that's kind of, uh, getting to be more up our alley and something that takes a little bit of finesse. And yeah, I, I don't mind seeing a dry slick track anymore. So you, you unload the 360, put that in the garage, put the 410 in the box, and head to Butler for the second sod show of the season. Take me through that event. You qualify fifth. You uh, run decent in your heat race, good enough to go to the dash, and then that's where the magic starts happening. How did your night go up to that point? Uh, I It was going pretty solid. Um, again, like Tri-City, I knew Butler has kind of reworked their surface, so I haven't been there to race this year so i wasn't sure what to expect so we sort of just went for a middle of the line setup and we weren't 
super great in qualifying and we went out late, but you know, I figured it was just sort of where we went out on qualifying and stuff. So we made some adjustments and we we're pretty decent in the heat race. And then the, the guys just kept getting the car better all throughout the night. So we went out on the dash and I felt like I, I wasn't having to work real hard and this thing was just cruising and we got the lead and got to start on the pole and Butler's kind of a weird place and track positions really important. So I had a pretty good feeling knowing we were starting on a pole. And I got, I have to ask you, right. You know, there's a lot of guys around our region that go racing on Friday and Saturday nights and uh, they would love to pick up two wins on a weekend or, you know, it, that rarely happens. Um, how do you feel? You know, how'd you feel on Sunday after that? Did you, I mean, when was the last time that's ever happened for you? Um, I think two years ago we won Friday and Saturday and that was, I think a, a sod race and then a local Butler race, but never with, uh, you know, two different series and kind of pretty solid competition for these. So, yeah, I mean, yesterday and even today, I'm still feeling pretty pumped about everything. <laughs> you you wouldn't be able to tell, Ryan, because you're uh, such a cool cool cucumber under pressure. Your demeanor wow. is uh, really reserved, which is fine. You can't tell Zach. He's so excited. I know. I, I, we're, like, trying to keep him under wraps here. Uh, get him a Michelob Ultra, somebody, please, quick. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> Ryan, how about – I do want to ask your opinion to this because Butler is kind of where you started. It's where you got your feet wet in sprint car racing. And I don't think that it's a secret that that track has gone through some rough times and has gone through some growing pains and changes. There seems to be, from what I'm seeing, a lot of optimism right now about what they have done with that racetrack. What have you noticed? And again, as you mentioned, you only raced there one week so far. But what have you noticed so far about that racetrack from your seat? I I think it it really is looking up. Uh, There was a few years where we would, you know, just not race anywhere because we, we were really trying to avoid Butler because it was just so hard on the cars and shocks and frames and stuff that it wasn't really worth it. But yeah, I feel like they've, I don't know, kind of listened to everybody over the years and smoothed it out. Um, the, the rocks definitely seem better and, yeah, I think they took some banking out, and it's a, a little wider, definitely more smooth, and I feel like they're getting a little bit better car counts and running the program smoother. So I think that that's all kind of playing in their favor. And I will mention, too, that uh, I believe it was Josh Turner came from, like, 16th to finish 5th or something crazy like that. So it, it sounds like the racetrack is racy as well. And, and I do want to get your opinion on the SOD organization right now. Again, two – Two races in, both races being held at Butler in the house uh, umbrella, if you will. But what do you think of that format so far, racing under with the dash and the qualifying and, and leading up to the feature event? How has that played out so far? Um, I think it's a kind of an interesting mix of trying to adopt stuff from, I think, the All-Stars and with the Fast Series. And, yeah, I think... Mark and Doug are are really trying to get different opinions and sort of make it all mesh together so they can keep the majority of uh, 
where they're getting information from happy. You know, Ryan, we've, we, we talked at I-96, believe, after you won there, but you've won at I-96, you've won at Butler, you've won at Tri-City. You got you got to feel pretty good in uh, you and that Smith Motorsports team this early in 2021, uh, and you guys are running this well. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. Um, the, everybody on the crew is, I think they're really trying to take all the input they can and make the best decisions on setups and they man they work their tails off throughout the week keeping the car as nice as possible and they were nice enough to take me to florida and we went kind of deep into ohio a few times and you know getting seat time before everybody else i, I think that definitely helps make you comfortable as soon as possible now, I know I, I'm pretty confident what your answer would have been earlier in the season, but, Ryan, right now you have a 43-point lead over Max Stambaugh after Friday's race at Tri-City in the Great Lakes Super Sprint Series point standings. Do you care? Are you looking at that? Is a Great Lakes Super Sprint Series title on your mind early in the season? We still have a long way to go. Mm, it, I would say... Uh... I'm definitely thinking about it. I, I did not check the points today, but yeah, that does. I don't want to jinx it or anything, but that does seem like a, you know, a pretty good start. Uh, if we were to make a championship run, blame it on Zach. Cause he's the one that told you, I didn't tell you. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, Friday at Hartford, Saturday at crystal, two tracks, Ryan, that you have uh, taken care of before Hartford. I know you were crowned King of Michigan one season because you just were winning everywhere, Hartford included. And then Crystal, a track that has been dubbed similar to Butler and getting dry slick, has a little bit of banking, and can be tough to pass on. What's your confidence level heading into this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, with that Smith Motorsports team? I don't want to sound too cocky, but confidence is kind of high right now. Hey, what what's that old song, when you're hot, you're hot, and when you're not, you're not? Listen, man, you're on fire right now, so... Uh, ride that momentum as long as you can. Congratulations on a great weekend, Ryan, and, and good luck uh, coming up Memorial Day weekend. Ho- hopefully, <clears throat> we're talking about you in Victory Lane again. I sure hope so, too. Thanks, guys. Always fun to catch up with Ryan. I know he's a hometown favorite down here and uh, not a man of many words, but he sure knows how to wheel a sprint car. So, uh, hey, we did another segment last week with Gary Lindahl and Rich France. I know that segment's near and dear to your ho- heart, and we got some more responses this week, which is good. Yeah, we came a whole lot closer to getting a winner this time, Zach. Uh, so we had the Did You, Did you Know segment uh, posted uh, the four questions. So we're we're going to go right through right to it right now, and we're going to go to the first question, and we're going to reveal these answers. Um, the first question, we actually had uh, – I'm going to give a shout-out before we get into this. Dave DeHem got three of the four correct and messed up on the last one. Which uh, which I think the fourth question could be interpreted based on what your opinion is. I don't know, Gary Lindahl. You're throwing some opinion into these. Yeah, there may have been a little bit, but it's obviously they, they have, uh, you know, when, with the Mark Times, they had uh, obviously heard some reactions on, right, the, right. on that advertising. So he must have gotten that from somewhere. So, uh, yep, and then Brad B. got two and a half correct. Uh, uh, he got uh, one, number one, question number one was half correct, and number four was, um, he, he didn't get that one correct. So, but hey, it's getting better. So let's go to the first question. These two outstanding late model drivers were once teammates in figure eight. The answer is 
John Anderson and Jerry McCara. That was the two answers. And uh, Dave DeHem got that right. Um, what does MSPA, sta- MSPA uh, stand for, Zach? I'll let you give this one. Oh, that one was easy. I was confident in this one. That's the Michigan Speedway Promoters Association. And uh, I know a couple of people got that one correct. Yep, uh, and Glenn P., who, who signed up, he got that one correct, but he didn't guess the others. He just he just went straight for that one. Uh, number three, this Hall of Fame driver once drove a sprint car called Old Yeller. Old Yeller. Let's old, not say old Yeller. Old Yeller. <laughs> uh, and the answer to that was Jeff Bloom. And Carl uh, Irwin got that one correct. And then the last one, which I think was kind of tough, uh, somebody got it correct, but he didn't uh, try all of them. But uh, so this company was said to have the best ads ever in the Mark Times. Uh, Rand Thompson got it right. And it was the world of Rutman. And which so, is funny uh, because I think if Rand would have taken a stab at all of those, he may have been our first uh, did you know winner of the, the, the new season. Yeah, but it was pretty cool. I mean, I, I saw people as soon as that thing was, as soon as we had it posted, I believe it was on Wednesday, um, it didn't take long and we were starting to get answers and and everything like that so i can't wait to the next one and, and gary's having fun with it so uh we'll chug along we'll have gary back here in a few weeks and i think that's the great thing so look for this uh, about the third monday of the month we'll be able to uh, bring the gary did you know segment to you and now here's the cool thing rich coming up in june we're happy to bring on fast time racing engines and parts to support Gary. Did you know, uh, or did you know with Gary Lindahl, however you like to say it. Um, and so, uh, we're looking forward to bringing those guys on in June. So check them out at fast time racing engines and parts on Facebook. All right. Big weekend of racing coming up. This is uh, kind of rolling into a little bit of the weekend preview, but it's going to be before our featured interview tonight because it is such a big deal, Rich. And I know it's a, a big deal and near and dear to a lot of our listeners from the east side of the state. The DTS Joy Fair Memorial 100 is coming up at Flat Rock this weekend. Tell me a little bit about this race. Yeah, so Zach, it's really one of the more popular events uh, for Outlaw Late Models. I mean, it's not your you know, your event that's paying $10,000 or anything like that. So it's, everybody's not coming for the money, but um, Joy Fair, Joy Fair paved the way for a lot of these guys uh, and in outlaw and in late model racing. Um, Probably one of the best, if not the best um, in our region for his five plus six plus decades that he, that he raced. So that the event is uh, in his memorial. Of course, uh, Joy passed away a few years ago. And um, it gets a lot of support because they know who Joy Fair was and we get the Fair family out there and, and the family really appreciates um, a lot of the top drivers from our region showing up for this event. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun back in 2019. And, and correct me, well, no, there's no correction needed. Uh, you know, this event was lost last year due to COVID. So in 2019, it was a lot of fun to bring Harold Fair Jr. on because this event not only did he win it, but it meant a lot to him and, and his family. And just a, an awesome interview. I invite you to go back and look through into what would that be? Season two, I think season one, maybe of uh, horsepower happenings to uh, hear that interview with Harold, because it really was cool to hear about the event. Yep. And you know, we kind of looking, I, I got a little bit of inside information this week. Uh, okay. While I was at flat rock. So 
Drivers entered for this week that uh, people may be interested in. Justin Schroeder, former winner of the Joy Fair Memorial 100, he will be there. Uh, Steve Needles, defending Glass City 200 champion. And Brandon Short, who picked up a win at Lorraine Raceway Park at the end of 2020. They'll, those are their teammates. They'll both be in the house. Uh, of course, Brian Bergacre, he is the 2019 Gold Cup Series champion, the last time the Gold Cup Series had a champion. Um Frank Giovanni, defending track champion at Flat Rock Speedway, will be there. And, uh, you know, we talked to him when we were Corrigan Oil a few weeks ago. Uh, Phil and Andy Bozell said this race was on their schedule. So I'm, ass- I'm assuming that they're going to still show up uh, for this event as well. Also, 2021 Flat Rock winners already this season. Steve Cronowet Jr. and Jeff Versek will also be there. So, and more, Zach, and more, because the en- entry list will be put out probably later this week, and more will be added to it. And that's uh, the interesting... I'm thinking, tw- I'm thinking 25 outlaws easy. Wow, that's a big number. And now here's the thing. So far at Flat Rock, as you mentioned, two different winners in two weeks. So uh, that's uh, an interesting statistic headed into this big event. Yeah, three different winners this season. Uh, Justin Schroeder won an opening night. Steve Croner went... Junior came back and won on the second night, and then Jeff Versick uh, won this weekend. So nobody's doubling up yet at Flat Rock. Very competitive racing so far in 2021. Looking forward to it coming up this weekend. Green flag again at 7 o'clock, and practice and grandstands open at 4.30. So uh, check it out this weekend at Flat Rock Speedway, the DTS Joy Fair Memorial 100 coming up. And, Rich, uh, I know you'll be there having a great time, so uh, have fun with that one. Yeah, plan on it. We're going to put that right in the middle of my weekend, and then uh, kind of sandwich it in with a couple dirt races, right? <laughs> yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be an awesome weekend for you for sure. We're going to talk about more weekend plans coming up, but right now, Rich, it's our pleasure to welcome in our featured interview for the night. Let us know who we're talking to. Well, Zach, this gentleman spends a lot of time racing on the west side of the state. He is a two-time Kalamazoo Speedway Outlaw Super Late Model Champion. Last week, he picked up a big win at the Springport Mid Michigan Speedway. Mark Shook, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thanks, guys. Glad, glad to be on the show. Man, first, congratulations on your win last week. But before we get to that, uh, as I stated, two outlaw championships at KZU in 2016 and 17. Um, let's go back just a bit and just kind of give us and our fans uh, how you kind of made your path uh, getting into racing. Uh, well, I mean, it all started with my dad. Um, he raced and then uh technically my stepdad but um he raced and i just always helped him in the garage when i was a kid and he was you know tagged me along and make sure i was always involved and it started back when i started racing uh street socks or pure socks back then uh back in 2004 so um started racing then uh did you know fairly well and he had the confidence in me, and we raced that uh, class for well, about two years, and um, then he built me a modified, and uh, we had a pretty bad, fast modified right off the get-go, and uh, just a matter of you know, you know, me just getting used to everything, and he, uh, you know, we uh, happened to figure everything out and won a couple races there, and. Uh, finally he said, you know, cause he was racing, uh, outlaw lay miles at the time. He's like, you know, he wanted me to drive his car. And I was, was like, Oh man, this is awesome. And, uh, you know, so I got to be, be able to do that race, the super shoe, won a heat race, you know, I was real excited about myself and, uh, 
figured I had, you know, had what it takes. And uh, pretty much after that point, uh, we went uh, outlaw late model racing, and uh, we've pretty much been there ever since. And it's been since I think I got uh, uh, been racing outlaw since shoot probably 2010. So uh, it's been a long time, and I've been around the circuit you know for a long time now and uh um it's been my 16th year this year so um 30 years old so uh you know about over half my life so racing and i don't know what i would do without it <laughs> now now we did say last week you picked up a a big win in the inaugural battle at the port uh <laughs> with a nice $3,500 payday we don't see a ton of those for outlaw late models around these days uh talk about your weekend you got to be pretty geeked Oh, yeah, it was, I mean, anytime you can beat um, Tyler Rorig, I mean, he is the benchmark of uh, outlaw racing and racing in general. I mean, you put that dude behind the wheel, he, he's going to be the, one of the best to beat, and you beat him, you had a pretty good car. And uh, we, we had a, uh, that night, we happened to have a really fast race car, and, and, you know, I got to give credit to him because he does do our shocks. Uh, so Rocket Fab is where you definitely want to go to get the shocks done. Uh, he helps us out a lot. And, uh, and you know, we really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we just, like I said, I mean, anytime you can beat Tyler, you, you're doing yourself something, you know, you're doing yourself good. And uh, so we're really happy to do that. And, um, you know, and unfortunately, you know, a couple guys couldn't race that night. You know, Jeff and stuff, you know, I really like to, you know, size up against him because he's really good at Springport. So, um, but he had, I think, engine issues that night. So, unfortunately, you know, guys like him, Kyle Crump couldn't race. You know, they had engine issues at two, I believe. So, but either way, you know, we'll take it as we can get it. And, you know, you know like I said, anytime you can beat Tyler, you're doing yourself pretty good. Yeah, you know, you kind of led the, the charge to the front, by the way. So, you started ninth. Tyler starts 12th, and by the way, you didn't pass uh, necessarily any uh, slumps either. Daniel Leak, Matt Frazier, Jack Landis, all cars that finished behind you. Adam Terry started outside pole. You got around him. Harold Fair started on the pole. You went around him. Um, talk to me about that race, that 50-lap contest around a tricky Springport, right? Long straightaways, tight corners, and you're trying to hold off Tyler Roerig. What was that race like for you? Oh... Uh... It was it was real interesting, uh, especially because considering uh, Matt Frazier is like one of my best friends, so so he he took off in the league. You know he knows what he's doing because he won the week before. So he I knew right then. You know he had a fast car. Uh, we come out of the same shop, so I know he's got a fast car. So uh, I knew that you know he had a good shot, and and I was just you know just concerned when he took off early. I was like, man, I'm really gonna have to get down and I'm gonna have to chase this guy down and and <laughs> and know that Tyler's behind me too and uh so it, it, you know I really had to be patient and obviously I don't like to you know just drive through somebody but you know you I just you know gave my best friend the 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 bumper a couple times uh didn't get him too out of shape or anything like that but uh he uh eventually was able to slide up the track off to a little bit and uh, I was able to just you know drive up underneath and Mark would you say um, that he yeah. got would you say he got the message <laughs> yeah he got, he, he got the message and uh, he, he you know he, we had a good laugh about it and we're you know it was like I said it's really hard to race your your, your best friend out there because 
you know, everybody wants to win the race and, you know, you want to, you know, do certain things. But for me, I really like to be as clean as possible. I don't like to, you know, put my fender on anybody if I don't have to. So, uh, but Frazier, uh, I, I definitely, uh, I got into him a couple times, but it, it, he, he even said after the race, you know, he's like, I really didn't even know you got into me that many. I was like, yeah. I was like, I, I was pretty light with it, you know. So I tried to be cool, you know, and it ended up working out great for me. And then I took the lead, and I just knew I just had to keep it, you know, keep it down. So Tyler wasn't able to drive underneath me, and um, because you know that place is like you said, it's a, it's a tight corners, and you really got to make sure that you keep it down, or somebody's going to drive up underneath you, and. Uh, I knew that, you know, I I had the best in, you know, the best in the business behind me. So, uh, you know, I just had to just keep it down. And, uh, you know, it was gonna, if he was going to pass me, he was going to have to pass me on the outside. And it's really tough there. So uh, I was able, you know, I was just fortunate enough to be able to hold him off. How, how much do you balance, uh, you know, when you've got a guy behind you like Tyler, how much do you balance watching your mirrors and watching what's in front of you and just trying to run your own race? Uh, was that a difficult decision to make, or did you find it, uh, I don't want to say easy, but did you find that balance of watching him and, and keeping an eye on what you were doing and hitting your marks? Well, I mean, uh, without, uh, without all racing up here in Michigan and stuff, there's, there's no mirrors, there's no radio, so um you're really just you know going by you know um hearing you know can you hear the other car can you obviously sometimes you you know can you feel the other car because they're getting into you or something but (laughs) uh, you know we just uh it's pretty much just it goes by you know just like that and you just got to go by you know hope maybe you have a guy up in the stands that's giving you the sticks or know how far you're ahead or something but you know, you just in the back, you know, in the back of my mind for that race, um, no matter if I was a half a track ahead or if Tyler was right on my bumper, I just figured, you know, he's right there. He's, he, you know, he's looking to pass at any time. And I just need to do what I need to do to hold him off. And, um, and, and, you know, fortunate enough for myself, I was able to do that. This is a great conversation that we're having right now with Mark Shook and uh, really awesome that we can talk with somebody who kind of is doing both sides of the coin. But I want to invite you to catch the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series supported by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort during a jam-packed Memorial Day weekend special. Friday night, drivers return to Auburn, Michigan's Tri-City Motor Speedway to kick off the three-day weekend of racing with a $6,000 to win affair. Then on Saturday, head to Merritt Speedway for a two-day racing extravaganza with qualifying and preliminary races on Saturday and the big show on Sunday. $10,000 will be on the line during Sunday's main event. You can find gate times and more information at tricityracetrack.com or merrittspeedwaymi.com. It's the Late Model Challenge Series, the best in Michigan late model dirt racing. Mark, uh, just just to give you a look, this coming weekend, it, it's a little bit slow for the outlaw late models, but there sure is a big race over on the east side of the state. Uh, didn't Joy Fair Memorial 100 is this weekend? I think Andy and Phil have already committed to coming over. Any interest in coming over and joining the gang? Uh, unfortunately, uh, not. Um the outlaw late model this weekend i'm actually gonna race my uh i got a ump modified that we've been um messing around with and um we are planning on going to merit speedway this weekend so they had a pretty pretty big two-day show 
we're going to camp, have some fun, and um, see how it goes. Mark, you've been messing around, as you said, with this dirt car UMP uh, modified for a little while now. What what drew you over to the dirty side and to get behind the wheel of this uh, modified? Because I've seen you race that since, what, about 2018, 2019, somewhere in there? Yeah, we raced it in 2019, and, um, or excuse me, 2018, and then... Um, Actually, it was 2019, and we didn't we didn't race last year. Um, we were just waiting to build a new motor for it. But uh, so we got a few races underneath our belt in 2019, and was able to race Plymouth a few times, Butler a couple times, uh, I 96, I think Kokomo maybe once. But we um we, we I actually to be honest with you, we ran the motor that's in my outlaw car. And it's just not it, not what you're looking for in the UMP modifieds. You need a lot more torque, and you know we probably had we're pretty good on the horsepower, but we need a lot more torque than what we had. So um, over this last year, we were able to build a motor, um, something that you know can compete, and uh, we did that with Irwin engines and their their badass engines, and uh, we were able to get that done, and uh, we pretty much. Um, We've only raced twice so far this season. We only raced once at Butler and then a once at the uh, Plymouth Speedway. They had a big 5,000 to win. And uh, we just missed the race by one car, but uh, we there was a big, like, they did a non-qualifiers race, a B-Main, essentially. And it was 800 to win, which is what they pay on a normal night. And uh, we were, <laughs> unfortunately, we missed the A-Main, but... Uh, we made the B main won that uh, by quite a bit, and uh, and actually probably made more money than like the fifth place did guy <laughs> did in the A main. So uh, I mean, it worked out that way. But obviously, you don't want to race like that. We want to be racing the best, and um, so we got some work to do. But uh, we've actually come a long way. I mean, it is just from 2019 to this year, we our car is pretty fast and. I mean, we got to race with, you know, the best of the best and Nick Hoffman, uh, Kenny Schrader, Kenny Wallace, uh, Derek Lash. All these guys were in my group at Plymouth. And, you know, we had a tall order to stack. We actually, you know, sized up pretty well against them. So I'm I'm pretty happy about that. And, you know, we'll just work on it. And like I said, we're going to go to the Merit this weekend and have fun. You know, this is the fun part that I love about our sport is that some people are just generic race fans like Rich and I. We don't care about the surface. We don't care about the track. We just want to go to the races and see a good show. Other folks, they pick a side, right? Dirt's for racing, asphalt's for getting there, asphalt's for racing, dirt's for planting corn. Uh, The Garrett brothers took to your Facebook page, and Chris says um, that uh, these people will never understand UMP modified stuff, and you said it's definitely a different ball game. And then Josh said... It's a hell of a lot more fun, isn't it? And you said no doubt about it. So where does your loyalty lie, or do you just like going to the races and running race cars? Oh, I, I just like running race cars, obviously. But, I mean, it, the dirt stuff is a whole different ballgame. It, it, it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun doing it. My best friend, Barton, he, Brooks, he, 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 he's the main reason why we got into this stuff, because he likes doing it. And uh, so... We make sure that, you know, we, you know, he, I make sure that he makes sure he has enough fun and we have fun and we just, you know, just pretty much just, you know, just have just work on it. And we, 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 we're pretty 50, 50, you know, we, we obviously know, uh, obviously sometimes, you know, the modified, 
uh, I don't do well enough, so, you know, it doesn't make very much money where I can, you know, do decent enough in the, you know, the late model and, you know, make, you know, sometimes decent money, it, it, it pays enough for the late model and the modified. So if you get lucky enough. So, um, you know, I, am I, I really don't have a, you know, a favorite. I like them both. Uh, I've obviously been doing asphalt for 16 years, so I'm a lot better at that than dirt. But, you know, the dirt is really coming along, and we've been coming along as a team ourselves. So, um, you know, I'm excited to what the future's got to bring. And, Mark, you talk about a team. You know, you have two race cars, and, and, and it's not free to get them everywhere. Uh, tell everybody who all helps you out on both those four team machines. Well, first of all, mainly is Borton Brooks. He's my best friend. He, I mean, he built he built my um, my late model from the ground up. So I mean, he I don't have a Seneca car or a Van Dorn or anything like that. It's a Barton Brooks machine. Hit, I think it's called Bad Fast Chassis. I don't know. We haven't really had a name for it yet, but he's built he built my chassis. I mean, he 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 he, he he's a master fabricator. He can build anything and make it look super nice. I mean. Nicest car I've ever had, and everybody that looks at it is like, man, that is a super nice car. And, uh, you know, so he, he he's my main guy. So, I mean, definitely my best friend. And then, obviously, my dad, he, you know, supports me in everything I do. And so, um, and and Dave, and, and pretty much sponsor-wise, um, Plain Will Ready Mix, they're awesome guys. They support me. They've supported me the last two years. Um, Jeff, he's an awesome guy to deal with. Um, uh, SWT Excavating, uh, Scotty Taylor, he's awesome. Uh, he, he, he just came on board this year. Um, so he's great support. Uh, Cole Relief Lawn Maintenance, my buddy Matt Frazier, the one that races, he, he supports me also. So I got to give him some credit and, um, um, uh, sweet manufacturing, uh, uh, Mac sports timing. Uh, it's my, uh, my wife's, uh, uh, parents, uh, uh, road racing timing business. So I gotta get, I gotta definitely throw them, throw them a little plug in there. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's pretty much about it for sponsor wise. And, you know, we, 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 we do what we can for, we're, we're a littler team, but you know, with like my best friend, Bart, he, that guy can build anything. So, uh, I'm fortunate enough to have a guy like him on my side and we're and, you know, we just go from there. Well, uh, Mark, man, congratulations on a great weekend a couple of weeks ago. Good luck with a big Memorial Day weekend coming up, uh, headed up to Merritt Speedway. You'll get a chance to see Rich France there as we cover the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series, so uh, be sure to give him a hard time. And, Mark, thanks for joining us tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, our thanks to Mark, and I love getting somebody on the show who can wheel anything, and that's kind of what Mark can do, right? Pavement, dirt, he don't care. He just wants to race, and, and uh, awesome to get him on the show and appreciate that. What a massive weekend coming up in Michigan for Racing Ridge. Holy smokes. And if you don't mind, I'll kick us all off this Friday at Hartford Speedway. The Great Lakes Super Sprints make their first trip to the big racetrack. I don't know what size it is anymore. No one really does. It's just a big, wide fast racetrack in Hartford, Michigan. Friday night, the Great Lakes Super Sprints will be there. Gates open at 5, hot laps at 7, racing at 8 o'clock. And then on Saturday, the Great Lakes Traditional Sprints will invade for their uh, lot of fun. 
And if that's not enough, Sunday, Midwest Compact Dirt Series will be there. It's opening weekend for Hartford, and they are blowing it out in style with the Great Lakes family of sprint cars Friday and Saturday, and then the Midwest Compact Dirt Series on Sunday. Hopefully you can get over there. Love to see you on Friday, and uh, if, you, if you see me walking around, let me know that, hey, you made it, and would love to, love to talk to you. Rich, and we mentioned it earlier in the show, a big Saturday night race for you at Flat Rock. Yep, the DTS Joy Fair Memorial 100. Uh, we'll try to see if we can get some updates on entry lists throughout the week. Uh, but yeah, Outlaws and Street Stocks, Grandstands open at 4.30, practice at 4.30. Racing starts at 7 p.m. on Saturday at Flat Rock. Intriguing event coming up this weekend. A little bit controversial, but nonetheless, it's racing in Michigan. So uh, we're happy to announce that Friday and Saturday, must-see racing in the National Compact Touring Series will be in action. Also, don't forget... Um, that is the same weekend as the Little 500, so choose your alliance for open-wheel racing. If you want to stay close to home, KZU has got your ticket with an awesome must-see racing show, and I also saw our friend Sean Sprague is going to be on the call at Kalamazoo for that event, so good luck to you, Mr. Sprague. Uh, that's a Friday-Saturday event. You can find out more at kalamazoospeedway.com. And then, Rich, this is the uh, the mustard and mayonnaise, the, the wheat and white of your weekend, the beginning starts Friday at Tri-City. Yeah, exactly. I think my dirt friends have been missing me. They haven't seen me in a few weeks. <laughs> I think it's been almost a month. But, yep, I will be at Tri-City Motor Speedway on Friday for the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series. $6,000 to win, Zach, on Friday night at, at Tri-City. Uh, the IMCA mods are going to also run for 1500 to win. Uh, all other divisions also in action. Gates open at 430 racing at 7.30, and then uh, I'm going to tease this one, too. Go ahead. Then on Saturday and Sunday, a two-day show at Merritt. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, the Challenge Series. Uh, there are features on Saturday uh, for the house divisions. There the will be... Pro Huh? Well, there will be a feature as well for the late models in some capacity. I think what you're going to be looking for is the odd even. Uh, that hasn't been officially announced, but I'm just guessing based on what we know about Black Mirror Productions is that we're going to see preliminaries qualifying, you know, heat races and probably odd evens to set the lineup for Sunday's big race. Yeah, and that's why we don't know for sure because we don't know what the format's going to be and it could be a surprise when we roll in there. Right, exactly. I mean, that's, how, that's how it can be. But we know B-Mods, Pro Stocks, Factory Stocks, four and six fillers, four and six cylinders. We'll run features both nights. Uh, and on Sunday, Zach, $10,000 to win for the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series. Uh, $2,000 for the UMP Modifieds. Um, I can't be there Saturday, but I will be there on Sunday to sandwich my weekend. Yeah, we understand that uh, Chuck Darling is going to be able to be there to help us out with coverage on Saturday. We are throwing him to the Wolves in what is one of the biggest racing weekends of the season so far. So good luck, Chuck, uh, <laughs> because you're going to need it. And then uh, Rich will have you playing uh, batting cleanup on Sunday, so we're looking forward to that. I am a little envious of you getting a chance to go and catch the first $10,000 show of the weekend or of the year for late models, but uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And, and we're happy, of course, to have late model challenge series coverage presented all season long on Horsepower Happenings by your local auto value parts store. Now, that's not it. Other weight racing going around. If you're thinking, come on, guys, get out of the corn planting soil and let's get back to a racing service, whatever. Corrigan Oil Speedway will be back in action this weekend. Not on Friday, though. 
They'll be doing their first Slugfest of 2021. That'll be on Sunday featuring Modifieds. That is their uh, challenge event or challenge series, if you will, or I'm not sure what it's called. Everybody's got a challenge series, though. Anyhow, Modifieds, Figure 8, Street Stocks, Legends, Front Wheel Drive, Pony Stocks, and Bandoleros all in action for the first Sunday Slugfest of the year. Gates open at 3, and racing begins at 5 o'clock at Corrigan Oil Speedway. And, Rich, as always, and, of course, this is just the top of the barrel of racing that's going to be available uh, around the area this weekend. We can't cover everybody, but it's a pretty safe bet that wherever you like to frequent or if you want to go somewhere new, they're going to have a great show for you this weekend to check out. And for most of us, I don't, you know, it probably doesn't apply to everybody, but I know I don't have to work Monday because of the holiday weekend. So I take advantage of that and I get three nights of racing in. So, and then Monday uh, you crash on the couch until four (laughs) o'clock. Yeah, probably, probably something along those lines, yes. <laughs> hey, uh, you know what? I have to thank all of the drivers who took time to talk with us back uh, over the weekend uh, during their trackside interviews. Our thanks to Ryan Rule for calling in tonight to talk about his sweep on the weekend. Mark Shook, glad to get him on the show for the first time. And, uh, man, on behalf of Scott Menlin, who pays the bills, and Rich France, who is my co-host, I'm Zach Heiser. Thanking you so much for tuning in to Horsepower Happenings. Have a great week. Happy Memorial Day, and we'll talk to you Monday, Memorial Day. I know if you're a Horsepower Happenings fan, you're not used to that, but how can we skip a recap day after one of the biggest weekends of the year? I don't think we can. So we'll talk to you Monday right here, same time, same place, Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.